You already know what it is. This is your host, King Truth. Back with another review, another opinion, and another episode. Let's continue this series of the Socialistic King. Let's get it. What's up, everybody? This is your host, King Truth. Back here with episode two of our Socialistic King series. Now, before I get started, I have some house cleaning uh, house cleaning um, to do. As you can see, that um, the name of my podcast has changed. Um, it is no longer Bay Podcast, but it is King Truth Podcast. Um, I had to make that change because there are multiple Bay podcasts that I knew nothing about. And I didn't want to confuse y'all when you went searching for my podcast. So my podcast now is called King Truth. And I will be going by King Truth. So with that out the way, yesterday we discussed Martin Luther King's war on poverty and his plan to eliminate poverty. And how this plan that he came up with and really made him more socialist than anything else these were radical plans uh, some people still see them as radical plans today but um, I don't think so I think that his idea to end poverty is what should be looked at we should give it a shot why not nothing else has worked so um, today I'm going to talk about some other aspects on his war against poverty. This will complete the poverty section of this series. So Dr. King had in his plan to eliminate poverty. You had to eliminate the root of what causes poverty, which is terrible wages, terrible housing, terrible education and he suggested he proposed that the government should set an income for the middle class that was his his um, suggestion and with setting that middle class income it would allow uh, those people who are in poverty to invest back into their community to buy the things that they need to survive um, finding reasonable housing and having the means to have a better life to allow them to live that American dream that they've always wished for so another part of Dr. King's plan that he argued and he felt was very important was the fact that better jobs and higher wages should be provided to people that are living in poverty. Um, One of the components in the fight for civil rights was the fight for equal opportunity. And in that equal opportunity, people should be given the same shot at the same job 
do not overlook someone because of their race, because of their gender, because of their sex, just because the person that came in the interview is not a white Caucasian male doesn't mean that they can't do the job. That is what Dr. King was advocating for. So with this opportunity, um, he argued for better jobs and higher wages for people of color. People of color at that time, they, they didn't get looked at for certain jobs and it's still, it's still prevalent today. How many of y'all can count on two hands how many black CEOs it is that are working at a Fortune 500 company? How many black COOs are working at a Fortune 500 company? Uh, look at Apple. How many black men or women, Hispanic men or women, are in a leadership role? And that's what Dr. King is advocating for. Give us the opportunity to prove ourselves. Give us the opportunity to show what we can do. Don't just toss us off and say that we're not qualified just because of how we look. Tell us that we're not qualified because we're actually not qualified for the job. You gave us an opportunity. We tried. We failed. We can't get the job. That's what Dr. King was saying. That's what Dr. King was advocating for. So that's very prevalent today, still prevalent today, because we still have black men and women that are not in those leadership roles unless it's in a company that they started on their own. So. What Dr. King was saying was because of racial discrimination in the forms of segregated schools, denial of loans and lack of resources to become educated and trained, many African-Americans were unable to have steady careers. The segregated school thing is not as prevalent as it is today. Like it was back then, there are schools that are still segregated. But what he's saying there is a lot of our schools don't offer the programs that a lot of these prevalent white schools um, offer. For instance, how many of you went to a school and was taking classes on how to be financially stable, how to play the stock market, how to... Um, budget real estate things like that we're not prepared for that therefore when we're sent out into the world we're not ready we're behind so education again plays a big part in the fight against poverty if we're educated and we can get that training that we need we'll be able to to hold those jobs. We'll be able to apply for those jobs and we'll be able to be on an equal playing field. Uh, Dr. King's platform also was better jobs and wages. Uh, his overall message was of equality and fairness for all. 
I just want to be treated like everyone else. It's just like how he said in his I have a dream speech when he said, I have a dream that my four little girls will will be will grow up and be judged by their content and not by the color of their skin. That's what Dr. King was talking about. Fairness, equality. Don't just look at me and say that I'm not qualified. Give me a shot. You never know. I may not I may not have the qualifications for the job, but you give me an opportunity to do the job, I might just knock it out the park. That's all we're asking for. So again, this is more of a socialistic idea because with socialism you're looking at everyone being guaranteed work everyone and Dr. King preached that he advocated for that that's what he wanted now on top of the jobs and how he wanted to fight to get those better wages to get those job opportunities Dr. King advocated for unions today unions is a dirty word Nobody wants to talk about unions. But Dr. King advocated for unions. Now, a lot of people know Dr. King was assassinated April 4th, 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee. But a lot of people don't realize why Dr. King was in Memphis. And, and that was the place that his assassination took place. Uh, they don't know that upon his death, he was fighting for the struggle. He was fighting in the struggle for the right of public workers to have a union. He thought through, and throughout his life, he stood up for union rights. Now, this is in 1968 uh, when he went to Memphis. 40% of the workers that Dr. King was marching with and was fighting for in Memphis were so poor that they received welfare benefits even though they worked 60-hour weeks. So they would work 60 hours a week. Think about that. That's 60 hours a week. That's 20 hours of overtime. And they still didn't make enough money that they were still placed on welfare. I mean, that's, and this isn't just talking about, you know, the sanitation workers in Memphis, but this was the working poor across the country. And it's still that way today. You still have people who are pulling crazy hours, not making anything. And when they get their check, they have nothing to show for the hard work that they put in for those two weeks or for that week. And they may be pulling that overtime and still do not make enough to show the hard work that they put in for that week or that two weeks. And they're still getting welfare and they're still getting food stamps. And it's not because they're not working. It's because they don't make enough. 
that's all that's that's pretty much it so dr king said when he went to memphis he said you are reminding not only memphis but you are reminding the nation that it is a crime for people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages isn't that what bernie sanders and elizabeth warren are talking about Bernie Sanders talking about raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And instead of it being a minimum wage, making it a living wage, a wage where somebody can survive and not just be here, you know, not just be a body in society, but actually survive in society. Elizabeth Warren is saying the same thing. Um, so, the strike in Memphis in 1968 that Dr. King was um, participating in, he made it a point to let everyone know that along with wages and all of the other sacrifices that they were struggling for, uh, they were also struggling for the right to organize and be recognized. They were fighting for the right to unionize be able to have a seat at the table and negotiate those wages but they wouldn't they wouldn't be allowed to do that and then once unions started up if you look at today and modern time not 1968 but this was just recent five six years ago wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, what did he try to do? Scott Walker was eliminating uh, unions and eliminating their collective bargaining rights and the collection of union dues, which is the fight that the Memphis strikers were trying to, that they were trying to win. They wanted to have collective bargaining rights. They wanted a right to sit at the table and bargain for their salary. And they wanted to have the collection of those union dues. But see, like back then, today, uh, he knew, uh, Governor Scott Walker knew that he could kill the union easily by not allowing them to collect the dues and not giving them bargaining rights. And the union that he was trying to destroy was the teachers union, which is very important because the teachers educate kids, right? And if the teachers are making a better wage, you have better teaching. That old saying, you get what you pay for. Well, if you pay the teachers, something more than what they're making now you'll have a better education system which means you'll have people you'll have kids who will grow, ultimately grow into adulthood and be able to think for themselves and not under and not just be a follower they will be future leaders but governor scott walker wanted to put a stop to the teachers union and allowing them to bargain for their wages and he could keep their wages low 
and just put anybody in those positions. Now, the second phase of Dr. King's civil rights movement and his poverty movement was economic equality. And he came to Memphis as part of his poor people's campaign. And we talked about that yesterday. Um, the poor people's campaign is the start up of his war on poverty. So he sought to organize a mass movement that would demand that Congress shift its priorities from funding military buildup and war to funding jobs, housing, health care and education. Now, there's an argument that is going on right now because Bernie Sanders wants free education, free health care for all, free Medicare, Medicaid. Um, then you have the Green Deal, the new Green Deal. And they're talking about how do we pay for it? Because doing those things, free health care, free education, you're looking at about 60, 75 billion dollars and we're 22 trillion dollars in debt. So where does the money come from? Dr. King laid out the laid it out for you. Why are we funding wars and excessively funding our military when we can take that money and put it back in the people? Right? Because here's here's a a stat. Okay? The United States outspends the top 11 countries behind the United States. Outspends 2 through 11 by, two to, by a 2 to 1 margin. So if our budget for our military, let's say, is at $800 billion, right? China's the next largest military to us. China spends roughly $200 billion. So we're outspending China four to one. Right? Then you have Great Britain that spends less than $100 billion. Russia spends less than $100 billion. We're spending all this money on our military and they're just sitting on it. Yeah, they're building planes. Planes that we're not using. Planes that we haven't used. I mean, we can take that money and put it to better use. And that is what Dr. King is saying. Take that money. Stop funding the military, a military buildup and war. And start putting that money in jobs in housing, in health care, and in education. Because the richest country in the history of the world could easily afford to eliminate poverty. But what it lacks is the will to do it. And that's facts. America don't want to end poverty. They don't want to do that. It's not beneficial for them right now. And Dr. King made it a point to remind the strikers in Memphis 
And again, this is something that can be relatable to today. He told them the story of dives in the Bible. And he went to hell because he passed by Lazarus who was suffering every day without even paying attention to his brother's plight, right? And Dr. King said, and I come by here to say that if America does not use her vast resources of wealth to end poverty and make it possible for all, all of God's children to have a basic necessity of life, she too would go to hell. And that's facts. America doesn't want to help his brother. They don't want to help his sister. That's why when you walk past homeless people on the side of the street, we've been so trained up to walk past them. That is the American way. So, on that, with the unions, with better jobs, higher wages, Dr. King uh, proposed a universal basic income. This is that middle class income I was talking about yesterday and earlier. And it's a policy designed to make sure that each American has a certain concrete sum of money to spend each year. So this is how Dr. King broke it down. This is how this platform is broken down. So a modern version of this policy if it was today would be to give every adult a tax credit that would essentially become a cash payout for families that don't pay much tax. So for families that don't pay a lot in taxes automatically get a tax credit to get this money so they can spend it thus elevating the economy and it's helping them get out of poverty and the economic situation that they're in. So what King was thinking, and it, it stemmed from a sense that no matter how strongly the economy might grow, it would never, it would never eliminate poverty entirely or provide jobs for all. Like I said earlier, America doesn't want to end poverty. It doesn't want to stop poverty. So uh, giving adults who doesn't pay much taxes that tax credit to get that money to put in their pockets and to help them get out of poverty. That was his solution to get out of that economic situation. That was Dr. King's view as to help low-income, poverty-stricken people get on a level playing field. That's what Dr. King wanted. And he also looked at part of the argument to end poverty was to get justice for everyone to end racism racism 
fueled poverty. And he wanted us to look at the other aspects that could hurt poverty. You know what I'm saying? That could that is allowing poverty to keep growing like it's growing. So by ending poverty, what Dr. King was pretty much getting to was by ending poverty, you end unemployment. They talk about the unemployment rate being at 4%. Well, if you end poverty, the unemployment rate's at 0%. You don't have pop, you don't have unemployment if poverty is ended. Ending poverty ends homelessness. It allows people to get that home that that they need, that they're able to afford because now they have an income to make that payment. Ending poverty ends hunger. A lot of our kids go to school and they're not getting the nutrition that they should be getting. They're not eating the meals at home like they should. Some are eating one meal a day. And then the parents of these kids may sacrifice their own hunger to feed their kids. And it shouldn't be that way. It, it shouldn't. There should, if there's no poverty, then there's enough food for the parents to eat, for the kids to eat three meals a day. It should be. Ending poverty with end malnutrition, which goes back to the hunger. If you don't eat, you don't get the nutrition that you need. Therefore, you you have that malnutrition, and a lot of kids are dealing with that because their parents can't afford it. Ending poverty would end illiteracy. Because when you end the poverty, the parents can get that home in the neighborhood that is surrounding a good school, which allows their kids to learn. It also will end illiteracy if the kid comes to school and he's had a breakfast. Now he's full. He's not thinking about food because he doesn't have to worry about food and now he can focus on his schoolwork instead of sitting in class he hasn't had breakfast he doesn't have money for lunch his stomach is growling his stomach is hurting that's what he's thinking about it's not the class he's thinking about I'm hungry and I want some food but by ending poverty we end hunger and we end malnutrition which ultimately allows that kid to come to school on a full stomach and to learn. So ending poverty does end literacy. Ending poverty helps the mortality rate. We're all going to die. It's inevitable. There's two things in this world 
that we can never escape from. And that's Mr. Taxman and Mr. Undertaker. But by ending poverty, which ultimately ends hunger, which ends malnutrition, it allows us to live a little bit longer. We're not looking at dying at a very young age. It allows us to, you know, look out, live a little bit. So that's the episode today that finishes up the poverty section and Dr. King's war on poverty. Um, tomorrow we will talk about, um, Dr. King's beloved community and with the, what the beloved community is, what it details. And if we can ever get to that point, pretty much a utopia. So that's it for me today. Uh, today. I look forward to speaking to you tomorrow. Y'all have a good one. I'm out.